Today, I want to, some of you need a miracle to get detached from religion. <laughs> so, uh, some of you have already been set free. How many of you have been set free from religion? And you know what I'm talking about when I say that, okay? Uh, even Deborah mentioned that what she went through. I, I was in a part of a church that we had, we had those little things that they passed out, and it, it was a little pink envelope. I think they were pink. And it was a tithing envelope, but it doubled up as, have you been a good doobie today, you know? It was like... Uh, did you bring your Bible? Or, all that stuff. And you were like supposed to check. And after a while, you just looked at it like, I'm not doing that anymore. You know, I'm free from that. So uh, today we're going to talk about getting free, uh, getting free from a religious spirit. Okay. I remember my wife and I, when we uh, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and y'all, y'all hear a lot of that when, we, when I preach, when we got baptized in the Holy Spirit, because everything changed then. But I remember when we got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and uh, we had the, all the books. I mean, if somebody was giving us, Joyce Wagley had a thousand books. And we were trying to listen to tapes and, and read books. And Mary Lee would read. She'd have a book. She'd have, want you to read this one. But we got this little pamphlet. It's a little thin book, I, if, as I can remember. And it says, do you have a religious spirit? And I thought, what? <laughs> what is a, a religious spirit? And so Mary Lou looked at the book. She had read it. And so tongue in cheek, she said, well, I don't have a religious spirit. I go to the contemporary service. <laughs> and that's, that's how simple it can become for some people. I, I, don't, I don't have a religious spirit. So this morning, if, if you're one of these people, and this is going to be kind of like last week's sermon, uh, say, this sermon's for me. It's not for my husband, not for my spouse, not for my kids. It's for me. Colin said that really got him last week because when I said that, and I had everybody kind of repeat that. He said, man, I wanted to say this is for somebody else, you know. And we do. That's, that's just that, that's what we do. But the thing is, if you don't think you have a religious spirit or you've never had a religious spirit, you're probably lying to yourself. And, and even now, you can still have one even though you've been set free in a lot of ways. We can still operate in a religion. You understand what I, well, you'll understand after we get through the sermon, hopefully. So, uh, and the fact is we really, uh, Mary Lou and I were never really taught what a religious spirit was. We didn't know what it looked like, what it acted like, but I'm here to tell you that it is a stinker of a spirit. Say stinker. Stinker. It, it, <laughs> how many people repeat that in church? Say stinker. Stinker. That's good. Uh, but it, it is, it's one of the most difficult spirits to even, even when people go through deliverance, it's that religious spirit. And so we're going to deal with that today and hopefully you can get some freedom from it because if you don't deal with it and you have one, you're in bondage to it. And the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. freedom. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set, set or make you free. So hopefully today you'll get some truths and you will uh, get set free because uh, God wants you to be free from religion, I'm telling you. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 11. I was reading, I was really studying this a lot the, the last couple of weeks and uh, I think it was Rick Joyner. He had, he had 25 ways you can dis- distinguish somebody has a religious spirit. And then I, article after article after article and people, because this is a big deal. It, it's bothered a lot of people. It, it's in, trapped a lot of people. So uh, I'm not going to do 25 points today. I know you're disappointed. but uh, 
So Matthew 11, verse 28, this is Jesus speaking. He's speaking to the Jewish people. And uh, he says, come to me. Say, come to me. Listen to this. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, I, I've, I've learned that scripture when I was a little, little kid. I, I remember that scripture being one of those most often quoted scriptures. And then he, also, then he went on to say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, if there's a scripture that will pull you out of religion into relationship, this is one of them. Because Jesus didn't say, come to the church. He didn't say, come to Abraham. He didn't say, come to the Pope. He said, come to me. It's personal. Say, it's personal. Now you think about all the people that are listening to this rabbi, the new kid in town, the new rabbi, and they're listening to him teach, and, and he's saying, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you this incredible thing called rest. Now, I want to read it to you in the message. Same verse. This is Jesus. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. And I listen, look, I love this. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Learn the unforced rhythms. See, religion is forceful. And religion is not about grace. Religion's about works. He says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely, to live freely and lightly. I want to tell you something. Living a religious life is hard work. Say work. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Earning your salvation, working hard enough to please everybody. Try to please the pastor, please, p- please the Pope, please somebody. But, you know, you're always working. And sin, and, but when you don't do it, when you don't get it right, then what, what does the enemy bring on you? This huge condemnation. And there is no rest because really, inherently, we're all pretty wicked. We really are. We were born in sin, the Bible says. And so when we think that we're going to attain something by our, our actions, by our works, That becomes religion. See, a religious spirit will lead people farther away from Jesus instead of close to Jesus. That's why Jesus had to say to all of these Pharisees, all of these Jews that had had been trying to keep the law, they were trying to do the sacrifices, all those things. And he said, hey, I know, I know you're burned out. You're, you're, You're full of, I know religion's tough. It's hard. Come to me then if you want real rest. How many of you want rest today? Rest from the weariness of even trying to do everything right. A religious spirit will close in on you so that you can barely breathe. It will suffocate you like a boa constrictor. One of my famous favorite movies, Anaconda Squeeze. You know? <laughs> I haven't used a Nacho Libre reference in a long time. So. And the thing is, you won't even notice it when it's happening. 
It's subtle. Little by little. And one day you'll find yourself returning to works instead of walking in grace. You will. It's subtle. The enemy's very subtle because he wants you to get to that place. He wants you to get to that place of religion. Because then you're going to be so dis disappointed in your life. You'll be disappointed in everybody else around you that you'll be like Deborah Huntsucker and leave the church. How many of you left the church before? Come on, lift your hands. Oh, my goodness. That <laughs> knocked me back. Religion will do that. It's ugly. Say it's ugly. Galatians 3. And Paul thought it was ugly. He said this, O foolish Galatians, what, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Let me read that again. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Mary Lou, as we were sitting out in the backyard a couple of days ago, and she was asking me what I was going to preach on. And... Uh, And I did the same thing outside. In your backyard, you're not supposed to cry. <laughs> but religion diminishes the power of the cross. It diminishes what Jesus did for us. It becomes legalism. It becomes so far from what Jesus meant for it to be. He said, come to me. Are oh, you that labor? You're heavy laden. I know it's heavy. See, the Pharisees, not only were the laws in the Old Testament, that, that wasn't enough for the Pharisees. They added 613 more laws on top of them. They were burdened down with these laws that the Pharisees couldn't even keep. You see, that's what religion does. You will get to that place of, uh, of so far away from Jesus into works that not only will your, your, your works won't suffice, but the people around you, their works won't suffice for you either. And that's why it's so tied into a critical spirit like we talked about last week. But it's not the, they're not all the same, but some of those things intermingle. But we become critical of other people because they're not working as hard as you are. And it becomes about our works. They're not praying as many hours as you are. They're not down at the church as much as you are. And so we start picking at people and we start looking at people. And then all of a sudden God says, look, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're back into religion. You think God is, you think God keeps a, a record of, uh, of, oh, how many times you prayed today? How many times you read the word of God today? And then he says, but you know what? You did that, not enough, but you did a lot of sinning today. So maybe if you do more of this than that, you know what? I'm going to love you more. See, we think that God's going to love us more if we do more. He can't love you more than he already loves you. He's already maxed it out. A religious spirit will diminish the work of the cross. It is a prime reason for burnout among ministers. Because work, 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 work. 
They burn out. I, I was taught a long time ago. I don't remember, is that when we were in the, another church, way back before even we were in the Baptist church, the Church of God where I grew up, we had some guy come in and he, he did a little conference or something. He said, you know, a, a, real, a true Christian, a, a Christian that's really walking by, in the Spirit should never burn out. Never. He said the people that burn out are the people that start doing it in their flesh. So I hear Pastor Alhan just burned out. Well, you know what? They're doing it in their flesh. They're not being led by the Spirit. You know, why? you know why? Because the Spirit will say, Harold, it's time for you to take a rest. It's time for you to take a time off. You don't have to be down there every minute. You don't have to be doing this. See, we, we get so burdened by other people's expectations of us that it becomes a religion. <coughs> Luke 7. And a frog just jumped in me like, ribbit, ribbit. Luke 7. You're going to get free today. That's, that's what I love about preaching. I get, to, I get to impart something that sets people free. And some of you think, well, I've already got, I'm, I'm there, Pastor. I, I'm, no, but Holy Spirit's going to bring some things to your mind today. How many of you this past week started recognizing a critical spirit in yourself when you didn't think you had one? You thought about, oh, man, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that to my kids. I wasn't uplifting. I wasn't, okay, I saw a few hands. Thank you. It means somebody's paying attention. <laughs> then one of the Pharisees, verse 36, then one of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house, and he sat down to eat, and behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. Now, this is really expensive oil, okay? And she stood behind his feet, stood behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with a fragrant oil. That is an expression to the max of worship. That's an expression of worship. Y'all see that? Holding nothing back, not in her most expensive perfume. Not worried about what other people think. This is worship. Going in a place she wasn't supposed to be, worshiping, bowing down, humbling herself, worshiping. Now when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. The third thing which you see this morning is a religious spirit opposes true worship to God. A religious spirit opposes true worship to God. Expression is suppressed and is seen as excessive, not normal. You ever been there with somebody acting a fool up there? Ah, thank you, Jesus. You know, there's praising Jesus. And you're like, huh, I wish you would sit down. Hmm. Those who are forgiven much are loved much. They love much. Right? But see, a religious spirit will pick out the people that you don't like how they do things. I remember not too long. Was it a year ago that the Holy Spirit told you to run around the church? 
a couple of years ago? She, at, another at another church? See, my religious spirit says, thank God it was at another church. But. <laughs> but then I thought, oh, that's the pastor's wife from Freedom. She's running in circles around. Woo! How are you going to get people to come to our church if you're running circles in their church? And then Betty Jones, who was teaching that night, said, you know, the Holy Spirit said, somebody's going to get it and run around the church. <laughs> it just happened to be my wife. I don't think she was wearing heels, thank God. I can just imagine her walking, running around the church with heels on. She kicked them off. Yeah. I remember when we were in, and it's a Baptist church, and this is, this is, it's okay to say that. I love the Baptist church. I was, I taught so many awesome things there. But I remember when we got slammed, the Holy Spirit, and we started really worshiping God. I didn't really give a rip what anybody thought. I just didn't. Raise my hands, jump up and down. I'm, I'm like uh, Bill Hale was talking about, or at least talking about their son dancing. That, that's a good, that's a Christian dance right there, right? But a religious spirit really opposes somebody just really falling on their face before God. And if that's the case, then you're not experiencing God in the fullest. You're not giving him praise to, the, to max. I know guys, I mean, I've heard these stories. You know, guys don't like certain songs that we sing in the church because they say words like beautiful and all that. You know, I, I just, I don't, I can't come into agreement with that. Worship is not manly. <laughs> Man. You know what that is? That's just pride. Well, I'm going to raise my hands. Ain't nobody tell me to raise my hands. <laughs> come on, get a grip. God told you to. Lift holy hands to the Lord. You think people care if you raise your hands in here? My goodness, get over yourself. Unless you haven't bathed, then you won't have deodorant on. Just get over yourself. Let go. I've seen some stupid things done at football games. You talk about worship, man. They're worshiping that, that team. I guess we all need to get Jesus jerseys. <laughs> Luke 18, moving right along. Luke 18. Again, this is Jesus. Also, Jesus spoke this parable to some, some who trusted in themselves that that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to, pl to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector, or car dealer, or politician. <laughs> I know how y'all judge people like that. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tithe of all I possess. Religious. That is the epitome of religion right there. 
Look at me. And the tax collector, car dealer, politician, lawyer, <laughs> throw a lawyer in there, standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Look what Jesus said. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Humility goes a long way with Jesus. He was so humble, he went to a cross when he didn't have to. He could have got out of it, but he didn't. He humbled himself because he saw the joy of us coming to him when he said, come to me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You see, a lot of times when I was doing this study, when I was talking about religious spirit, a lot of times they replaced it with pharisaical spirit, judgmental spirit, kind of inter intertwined the same thing. Pam used to, Pam Park used to say, you know, I wished it was like back then when Jesus, am I doing a good impersonation? <laughs> I, I wish it was like back then when Jesus was walking there because you could identify the Pharisees because that big pointy hat they had on their head. <laughs> she said it louder than that. but <laughs> Get the point? Oh, that was a pun. <laughs> no pun intended. Get the point. But some of you are like, what? <laughs> Sometimes they're not as easy to identify because they're, they're sneaky. They're sneaky. So a religious spirit will take you, to, speaking of this passage I just read, will take you from authenticity to hypocrisy, from humility to pride. People, when you start walking in a religious spirit, people aren't free to make mistakes and mess up. You can't be weak. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You know religious people? They're all good. and nothing wrong with them. They're the Pharisee. They're the guy standing up. Oh God, thank you that I'm not like Christy. <laughs> I'm not like Dr. Seal. I am much, so much better. So much better. I'm very religious. I've kept all the rules. Just like the rich young ruler, remember that? Kept all the rules. Okay. A religious spirit will keep you from growing in grace. It will keep you from being authentic. One of the things Mary Lou and I decided when we started this work, because uh, we, we visited a lot of churches, and we, we saw even charismatic churches. Do you think charismatic churches are not religious in a lot of ways? <laughs> I'm telling you they are. We saw some. But we said this. This is probably one of our mandates was we want everything to be authentic, to be genuine. We're not going to conjure up something. We're not going to uh, make somebody feel like this is the way it happens all the time. We're not going to put God in a box. Religious people put God in a box. We're going to let God be God. And, and guess what? We haven't always done it well. We haven't always done it right. I just, I'm, I'm telling you, sometimes we, we'll get in a rut. 
religious rut. Charismatic churches can get in a religious rut. We're going to do it this way, this way, this way. We got it all lined out. And I think even in the last couple of years, we've really moved into more of a, a Holy Spirit led than we, we used to be. And that's a good thing. Structure is good. Planning is good. But listen, God's got to have his way. Religious spirit is a holier than thou spirit. It's a, it's a you're self-deceived. All right, let me, let's move on. Matthew 23. Matthew 23, 25. Woe to you. This is the woe chapter. <laughs> that old chapter is a woe chapter. I'm not talking about stopping your horse from running either. It's a woe is you. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You wonder, why they, you wonder why they crucified him, right? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Fakes. For you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of extortion. They were stealing from the people like crazy. And self-indulgence. I mean, if, uh, the Pharisees lived the high life. They had, the, they had the hot tub. They had the spa. They had the, the tennis court. They had everything. They, they were, they were self-indulgent. And they got that by extorting the people. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. The fifth thing I want you to see is the religious spirit is concerned more about outward, outward appearances. How do I look? Don't wait. Somebody have a Bible? I need a Bible. Thank you. I'm going to turn it around so you can see. How do I look? Do I look religious? No, 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 no. I'd have to tuck my shirt tail in to be religious. They're, they're concerned about how they look on the outside. How they impress people. Churches are that way. What's your image like? I hope you have the right colors. I hope that dove looked just right and that freedom sign is pew, got the columns up here. We got the lights. But you know what? A lot of churches, this would look like nothing. <laughs> they got to have all the flashing lights. They got to have the smoke. You got to have the holy smoke. <laughs> but it's about image. Remember, remember Andre Agassi came out with that. Uh, that was his deal. He was, he was advertising for, was it Nikon, Jeff, or one of the cameras? He's a, he, for all of you young people, he's a tennis player. He was a great tennis player. Okay. But he had come in. He had done, uh, signed up with this company to do their, their advertising campaign. And it was called Images Everything. And that dude had the image, did he, Mary Lee? We went to see some tennis tournaments. He had the long flowing hair. He's bald now. He had long flowing hair. <laughs> he wore the headbands. He wore the, I mean, he had the outfit like, no, he set the standard for all tennis players. Everybody followed what Andre Agassi was doing. The first year he played at Wimbledon, everybody was going, that was a big talk. What's he going to wear? Is he going to break the rules? Or is he going to wear white? You know, it's a big deal. But he said, image is everything. But see, image can distort everything else. But you can have a good image, but inside you can be yuck. You can be full of crud. And that's what these Pharisees, Jesus was saying, look, you look good on the outside. I like your little hat. I like your robe, your phylacteries, all that stuff. You, you look really good, but on the inside, you're full of sin. 
And you're putting all these burdens on these people and you're extorting these people and you're living a life that's crazy good and they're in poverty. What's wrong with you? Romans 8, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will, D-I-E, die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. It's one of my wife's favorite verses. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. We're all sons of God if we know Jesus Christ. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Say, I'm a child of God. God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. A religious spirit can cause people to live by fear and not by faith. You're afraid of what people think about you? You just walk in fear. There's no, there, you walk in, there's no spirit led. About, you're, you're wondering how you're going to please man instead of please, you know. There are preachers today. I know, I know preachers. I know people. They won't preach the full gospel because they're afraid they'll lose members. But they believe it, but they won't preach it. I know this to be a fact in this city, this church. And they, they, they say we're a spirit-filled church, but they won't preach on the gifts. They won't preach on anything like that because they're afraid people might, mm, this is a little bit weird stuff. You mean they're going to pray for people and anoint people with oil? I don't think we want to do that because we might lose people. But see, there, it goes way beyond that. There are preachers in pulpits all across the world that wouldn't dare preach what I'm preaching today. They won't dare say anything about homosexuality or abortion or any of those things because they're afraid. And they've got a religious spirit that's come upon them. Man, I fear God more than I fear man. And you should too. You should too. Well, don't talk about Disney. Everybody likes Disney. I don't like Disney. I think they're evil. I can't wait till we get to Disney World. Listen, read up about them. Learn something about them. They're evil. I don't go to Target. You can listen. They have an agenda, and it's not a good agenda. I don't mean to go political on you, but. But you know what we do as Christians? Well, it's okay. But it's not. Well, you think, now you're thinking, I have a religious spirit. <laughs> no, it's, it's called being led by the Spirit of God, not by being fearful of what man thinks. Luke 6. Now, it happened on the Sabbath also that he, Jesus, entered the synagogue and taught. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. (laughs) Kind of reminds me of Gail. So the scribes and the Pharisees watched him closely. Oh, Jesus. 
Watch that, Jesus. Y'all keep your eye on Jesus. This is the Sabbath. He's been known to do things on the Sabbath. Watch him closely. Whether he would heal on the Sabbath that they might find an accusation against him. <laughs> Does that just sound ludicrous? Doesn't it? Come on, doesn't that sound weird? You mean here's a person with a withered hand, they're in the synagogue, and Jesus is there, and he's known to be a healer, but you better not heal him now. You're in church. <laughs> but he knew their thoughts and said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise and stand here. <laughs> and he arose and stood. Then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or destroy? And when he had looked around at all of them, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. And then religion just, man, it reared its ugly head. But they were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus, which led to his execution. Now, I'm telling you another true story. We were in a church, a denominational church, Pam and Mary Lou and myself. We were college pastors at this church. Young lady came up at, in our class, and she said, I've been diagnosed. I've got a brain tumor. We had, in this church, we had newly instituted a prayer room. Now, this prayer room is a certain kind of prayer room. It was a kind of prayer room that you wrote a card, a prayer request, and you turned it in or you emailed it in or whatever. You got this prayer request and you sent it in to this, and it went to the prayer room and people could pray over these prayer requests. That's a good thing. That's, awesome. That's really good. Well, that prayer room just happened to be really close to our college class. And Mary Lou and Pam said, well, let's go in here. We'll pray for you. Sounds a lot like this story, doesn't it? And one of the pastor's wives of the church, I wouldn't dare tell you her name. <laughs> I know you. Yeah, I remember it. She came up to them as she saw them going into the prayer room and she said, what are y'all doing? Well, this lady is a, a brain tumor, this young lady, and we're going to pray for her. And she said this. You, you may not believe this, but she said this to them. You can't pray in here. This is the prayer room. More than Susie, no. <laughs> and you think, is that, is that stupid? Well, isn't this stupid? You can't pray for a man's withered hand. This is the synagogue. It's the Sabbath. And it sounds just like that. And you know what? They said, Mary Lou boy, her flesh, she got fleshly. She wanted to take that lady out in the parking lot and whoop her, man. <laughs> then see who needed prayer, you know? <laughs> take me to the prayer room. I need prayer. <laughs> yes. She manifested. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did. Come on. They took her to the ladies' restroom and prayed for her, and she's healed. She's healed. She came up just years later. You know, I'm healed. I don't have a brain tumor anymore. That's a religious spirit, guys. It's ugly. 
It's just ugly. See, a religious spirit holds traditions in higher regard than simply doing the right thing. A religious spirit holds traditions in higher regard than simply doing the right thing. God wants you to do the right thing. You see, well, Pastor, I don't know exactly how to pray. He wants you to pray. But, Pastor, I don't know all the these and that. You don't need that. I, I, don't know, I don't know how to do. No, you, do you love this? Do you love Jesus? Do you love people? Then pray for people. But I don't have the right word. Just can you say, I bless you in the name of Jesus to be healed? Yeah, I can say that. Well, do that. But, but, but it's Walmart. Listen, people get healed at Walmart. Y'all should know that by now. It's H-E-B. I don't know what people would think. Well, you don't have to go shout. You don't have to get a soapbox or go get the microphone on aisle three. Mary Lou's down there praying for somebody. <laughs> or if, if it was Betty, they'd say clean up on aisle three. A little late with the buckets. Uh, Clean up on all four and five now and spreading across H-E-B. All right, I'm just going to wrap this up because... uh, I could go on. There's so, many, there's so many scriptures that identify a religious spirit in the Bible. There's just too many. And uh, so religious, here's some other things that you want to, if you're taking notes. A religious spirit is just waiting for someone that they don't agree with to fail. That's a sad one. They want you to fail. You're not doing it the way we said to do it. You're going to fail. You are going to go start a church. You'll fail. What are you, a used car dealer? You'll fail. Well, religious spirit, people with the religious spirit are the ultimate of I told you so people. I told you so. I told you so. You didn't listen. Religious spirit will keep you from growing in your faith. You will never experience the more of God because of your righteous limitations you put on God. I have been there. I'm speaking from experience. I put limitations on God. Probably still do. Still working on that. We're all a work in process, right? Religious spirit often says we've never done it that way before. (laughs) Y'all heard that one? What do you mean we're going to do what? We've never done it that way before. (laughs) So that's a good good thing then. Let's, Let's do it that way then. Let's try something different. A religious spirit limits the power of God and resists a move of God. Puts God in a box. I do not want to be a guilt. I don't want to be guilty of resisting a move of God. If it doesn't come from this church or if it comes from another, I do not want to be guilty of resisting a move of God because it didn't start here. Amen? Amen. I would love for a move of God to start in another church in this city or or all the churches in the city. It'd be great, wouldn't it? But see, Sam, I've been a part of a a network of churches that they were so jealous of one another. You talk about religion. If we don't think of it, we're not going to do it. We had, I've got to tell you this one, because this is like the Bible today. Y'all remember the, the clarion call that we had a few years ago at the stadium? And we gathered, we had a, a 
We had all different denominations, and the Catholic Church was invited. Well, we had one church, one denominational church said, well, we are not going to participate if you allow that priest to get up there and say anything. They refused to be a part of what could be a move of God because of one person that they didn't agree with. Now, I don't agree with the Catholic Church on 99 out of 100 of their points, probably. And I, I do believe it's steeped in religion, but I do believe that a lot of churches are steeped in religion. A lot of them. Nobody can actually is exempt of it, that, that spirit. But it was like, we are not going, we are better than that. You know, that's what a religious spirit does. But, when you break free from religious spirit, oh, wow. There's a vast ocean of possibilities that you don't limit God in your life anymore. You're not bound by traditions. You're not, you're not trying to work your way to heaven. You're not trying to be, do more good things than bad things. You, you receive grace, the grace of God, and you do works because of the work on the cross, what he did on the cross. That's why we do good works. It's not so we can get to heaven. And we're already, he's already made the way for us to get there because of the work that Jesus did on the cross. That's the work that counts. Possibilities. Listen, guys, if you can get free, you start worshiping God the way you're supposed to worship Him. Love God the way you're supposed to love Him. Be that person that does the right thing no matter what's going on around you. It's not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then you'll get free, and you'll get freer, and you'll get freer, and you'll grow in your faith, and you'll love being a Christian. It won't be some hard task. I've got to keep the commandments. Jesus said, John said, they're not even too burdensome. The commandments that he gave us were for our benefit. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Burned out, burned out on religion, I will give you rest. Would you stand? The way you get free is the way you get free from everything. It's called R-E-P-E-N-T. You repent. Repentance is a change of mind. It's Holy Spirit taking control of your mind and you begin to change and line your mind up with the mind of Christ. You line your mind up with the Word of God. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you've fallen out of grace, fall back into it today. If you started living your life in a works-oriented manner and you forgot about the grace of God, and I'm, telling you, I'm not talking about hyper-grace, that grace says all sin all you want to. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you don't sin because you love Jesus. You don't sin because you've been set free from sin. And the bottom line is, guys, You've got to recognize what Jesus did on the cross for you. That should, humble all, that should humble all of us. That we are not worthy. We couldn't make it there without what he did on the cross. It's by grace you're saved through faith, not of works, lest any person should boast. You know, when David was caught in his sin with Bathsheba, Adultery, and then it led to murder, and then it led to a horrible life, 
horrible things. If you want to read a, a chapter in the Bible that really deals with repentance, it's Psalm 51. And this is what I want to bless you with this morning. And this is from the Passion. He said, David said this, Keep creating in me a clean heart. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires, ready to please you. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. That's repentance. Don't take away the joy of your salvation from me, Lord. I, I want to serve you. I, I want to be authentic. Uh, 